Hi pedestrians, welcome to Founders University. My name's Chris Warasinha and I'm a co-founder of Pedestrian.tv. Founders Uni is a geeky, in-depth chat with some of our favorite Aussie startup legends. But first, a word from our sponsor. We recently ran some research at Pedestrian and we found that one in three of our readers are actively working on a side hustle. If that's you and your side hustle does not have a website, then you need to jump onto squarespace.com now. Whether it's a creative project or a way to make a bit of extra cash, make 2018 the year that you take your side hustle to the next level. And on squarespace.com, with the offer code PTV, you not only get a beautifully designed website, but you also get 10% off. That's 10% off with the offer code PTV. So far on Founders, we've talked to people taking on massive markets at a huge scale. But for today's episode, we wanted to take it down a notch, because often the best ideas are the simplest. Nathan Hunter is the founder of Fluff, that's F-L-U-F-F-E, an artisanal fairy floss brand that last year shipped over 25,000 bags of its sweet goodness all over the world. Nathan's story is a truly inspirational one for anyone looking to make a career out of a passion or take their side hustle to the next level. Find out how he launched his business out of the markets, connects with other entrepreneurs and influencers, and grew his Instagram following to over 150,000 followers. Hi, Nathan. Thanks for being here. First podcast, is that correct? First podcast ever. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So can you tell us the story of Fluff for those who are unacquainted? Sure. So Fluff is fairy floss, cotton candy, candy floss. It's a little business I made. Um, it was originally made sort of in, a t- in an attempt to apply to uni because I wanted to study design straight out of high school, but of course I didn't have anything to show of it. And they were like, oh, we need like a portfolio of at least 10 pieces. And at the time I was very into logos. I loved how, you know, people could recognize a brand just from the logo and like even like really young kids can do it now. So I was, I was sort of fascinated with that and I started developing like made up logos and sort of brand identities for like fake businesses. And one of them was a fairy floss business because that's not really a thing I've ever seen. And I don't know, I just sort of thought of like, what would this business offer? I I always get a bit attached to things, so I like sort of lose time in investing in it. And I don't know, I just sort of thought about it and thought about it. And then I asked for a fairy floss machine for Christmas and I tested it out and I was like, okay, wow, because there's nothing online. There's no like, nobody really knows how to make it. I always get asked, oh, how does it work? And I'm like... Mm, I just tend to say magic half the time. (laughs) But yeah, long story short, the uni scrapped the portfolio requirement. I had sort of half built this proposal for a business and got in. And then first year in, I was like learning all the programs and like sort of what brands do and branding. And then I launched it in 2015 in May at a market and it was like an hour wait for it. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Wow. So, So where did you study? I studied at Billy Blue College of Design. I did communication design, which I think is just like graphic design. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, no. So, so I mean, I do really love the visual identity and the kind of copywriting behind the mm-hmm. brand. Like it has this amazing flair. The, the names are phenomenal. So there's like unicorn poop, boys tears, birthday cake. Where does the inspiration for all of that come from? It comes from everywhere. Sometimes I'll think of like a color uh, sometimes it's a trend. Sometimes it's just the name. Like I'll come up with a name and I'll be like, this this could catch on. Um, so that was definitely the case with Unicorn Poop. It was like, I wanted to do a musk flavor because I personally like musk. And I know it's like a very old school Australian flavor that it's like 
people are pretty split on it. It's like 50-50. They either hate it or they love it. And I thought it was just really appropriate for unicorn flavor because you don't really see it in anything anymore. And it's now the most popular flavor. So did Fairy Floss have some sort of connection to your childhood? Like what made you pick Fairy Floss as the business that you then went into? You sort of gave us some background on the idea and where it came um, from. Yeah, honestly, I have no idea. I remember, I was thinking about this last night and I remember saying to myself when I was really young, because I had an Etsy business before this, and I was like, I would never want to do a food business. That would be such a hassle to like have to maintain because you know it's food it's like such a scary thing and i would ever i would hate to ever like poison someone or get someone sick from it so i was like no i would never do food and now i don't know it's just i've always been into sweets i guess so maybe that's where it came from and it was just something so different nothing was really new at the time when i was thinking about it It was all about cupcakes so this is when this is when that cupcake rain hit and everything was about cupcakes, and then it was macarons and donuts. But yeah, I've always liked sweet stuff. I would I would say I have sugar every day. I don't know what a sugar high is. I guess I'm always on one. You were running Fluff as essentially kind of like a side hustle through university. Is that correct? Pretty much. I did have one job that I got sort of when I started uni through my dad. It was working at like a stadium doing definitely nothing like cool. It was just like hands-on work. But I sort of saved up a bit of money from that. And then after, like, studying it and, like, learning how to design and develop, I sort of did that in my first year and then took it to market, I guess, technically. At the time, it was, I guess, a side hustle because I was still doing this other job. But now that I'm out of uni, I've sort of... This is all I've been doing since then, I guess. So it's turned into, like, a full-time thing. So how did you manage the costs in the early days? You sort of mentioned you saved up some money... Mm. but you were working on this kind of other business on the side. I think that's a story that resonates with a lot of people. How did you kind of maintain and, you know, fund Um, this venture, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. I guess it was always sort of like just sort of building it up. Like over that probably that first year of properly learning design, that's when I was like getting more invested in it. And I would, like I didn't really have a launch date, but I was like, this could turn into something. And if it didn't turn into something... I still had a very floss machine and I could make myself very floss, which was still pretty cool. So it was like, I don't know how I could lose. But yeah, I just sort of like would save up and like things would come to me and ideas would happen and I would like spend money on maybe getting stickers made or something, especially the branding. I was always into the branding. So if there's any like little collateral I could make for that, I would spend money on that. Otherwise, it's just a lot of trial and error. So I saw you mentioned in, in an interview that people warned you not to get into <laughs> the fairy floss business or maybe the food business. So what were some of these warnings? And, you know, I suppose, like, I'm assuming it's not some fairy floss underground mafia or something like that. No, 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 it's the not. Turf. There is definitely, like, a bit of, I don't want to say a war because it's definitely not that big, but there, there's definitely been a lot of copycats since I started doing it. I would get emails every day, like maybe a year ago about like oh I'm trying to start up this very false business for my 12 year old daughter and I'm like what would what would you like me to say would you like me to give you all the answers so you can run off and do it but yeah like the first people I sort of mentioned it to was my parents and my family my auntie in particular because I looked up to her so much she sort of does things with um David Jones and like fragrance there so she's sort of in that design role and I was like maybe I could do this and it was like I don't know, she was just sort of like, maybe there's a reason no one has done it, you know, sort of like discouraging me, but I can't blame her, like, everyone was like that to me, no one said, yeah, do it, like, even my mum was hesitant, 
but you know my, I think my mum's pretty great she's like always supportive it's like if you want to try it try it you know there's no point in telling someone not to do something because it doesn't affect that person it only affects you but yeah I just sort of worked on it slowly and it turned into a thing so you spent the first year tinkering around and developing flavors is that kind of correct yes yes a lot of trial and error I had no idea how to get like color or flavor into fairy floss I found some sites in the US that sort of had this pre-made sugar which I guess is what everyone uses but of course I wanted to like be a bit extra because everybody has to be extra now and that's sort of where I was tinkering and like trying out flavorings making flavorings just god it took forever to figure it out because there's nothing online about it again and yeah I didn't really have like an end date so it wasn't like a huge there was no like huge pressure to do it but then one day it just like an order arrived of like concentrated flavorings that I was like completely forgot about because I tried so many and I tried it one day I was like "Mm, this is pretty good and I always have to give it to like my friends and family to try because you know after I do it I can never like really taste it if I do it for too long so I'm like what does this taste like and if they say what it's supposed to taste like then great that's the flavor that's sort of how that happened nice so was is there a kind of scientific process to coming up with those flavors like did you go I'll try one teaspoon of this and then make it two and then uh yeah i think for sure definitely and i don't want to like divulge anything because i'm sure some people will be listening to this that are like looking for those but it was definitely trial and error i think that's where probably most of the money was spent like trying different flavorings making it you know i tried to infuse fruits into vodka and then leaving that for a couple months i don't know how healthy that was but that's what i'd found online and how to make flavor but yeah definitely trial and error were there any unique challenges being in the food industry and like standards that you need to hit or like regulation around production and things like that that was like the one thing i was like terrified of like i would i like when i going into it i hated the idea that i would be doing accidentally something illegal or i would make someone sick or hurt somebody um so i would like in the first year that's also what i focused on a lot i was like calling up government agencies there's actually some very helpful websites that help with all that sort of stuff and i would just come to them with all my dumb questions and be like is this okay do i need to do anything for this and she was like "Mm, no that's fine and like at the end of the day it's like you think about it too much and then that's sort of what stresses you out and you think it's going to be worse than actually is everything was pretty easy to work out yeah can you remember what the websites were that you visited i remember looking at Um, one for particularly for business and it was sort of like registering the name and i'm sorry i can't remember the name of the website we'll track it down (laughs) but yeah and i was like oh is there anything in particular i need to do because i know this is a food business and she was like it really like in food there's so many different avenues like you can do catering or it can be like a restaurant a non-retail restaurant so i just sort of went through that with her and she told me everything and she was like from the sounds of it this is where you fit in so that was really helpful So you started off doing every single aspect of the business. What aspects did you find most challenging and how did you kind of solve for those aspects? I would say just like sort of, because I still do it all by myself. I'm hoping to get some people in to make the fairy floss this year so I don't have to be so sticky all the time. But the challenges with it were mostly just managing time. Because like, once again, when when you're starting out and, you know, I didn't have any investors or anything. It was just like, basically an idea it was like a hobby at the time and it was just sort of managing everything myself so like I have to 
design everything, like all the labels, all the bag, all the packaging, and then the brand, and then you have to sort of interact with everyone on social media. Admin is my least favorite thing, I would say, doing emails. Like, I love seeing what people have planned and, like, getting to know people through that, but it's just, like, I have, like, a few hundred emails backed up all the time because I don't have enough hours in the day to get through them all. But definitely time management is probably the biggest challenge, I would say. And I, that's why I'm looking into sort of getting some help. Because I think it's it's okay to get help, I think. You don't have to do it all. Like, originally I thought, you know, it has to be it has to be me. It has to be, like, this is such a personal, private thing. But, like, people get that. It, they understand that. I, I think especially from, like, Instagram. They definitely get that. And they understand that, that they're, like, you know, if you need help, why not? You know, it doesn't affect them at all. So, yeah, time management definitely uh have you got any other tips for creatives who are say good at design or ideas but not necessarily like business minded and how they can sort of i guess um, leapfrog that and jump into something like yeah this? i was never business minded like when i when i wanted to study design i wanted to basically make billboards i wanted to do advertising <laughs> but yeah i would just say there's a lot online that you can learn i love watching um like google talks talks at google ted talks are always a good thing there's also this site called School of Life on YouTube. And that's like, I guess that's more like things about life, but that definitely ties into it, especially when you're trying to create a brand. It's always important to know like where, how you want to be perceived and then it's working out how you can be. It's like backtracking almost. So when you were starting out, like what kind of sales numbers were you doing or revenue when you were first starting out? Like was it a instant success or was um, it something that took a while to grow and did you see growth happening all the time or to be honest for the first year I didn't have again like I said I wasn't like business minded at all I have no idea how much I made the first year to be honest I didn't have an accountant I didn't have anything except my bank account and I could tell how much I'd spent because I would have money in there <laughs> so it's like oh this is how much I've got left after one year of doing it and if it was you know obviously not in a deficit I guess it was going okay but yeah I only really got an accountant last year and she's sort of been telling me like oh this is I didn't know like how good it was going so she sort of uh, solidified that for me so you set up your website using Squarespace which is the sponsor of this podcast can you talk us through how that's grown with your business so originally again with the design I wanted I knew a website was important like I know there's a lot of businesses nowadays that only have Facebook pages I'm like I don't know how anyone gets in touch with anyone but the website actually started when I first sort of conceived this fake idea of a very false business. I think I came up with it in 2014 and I went to Squarespace because I have no idea how to code or do anything. And at the time it just it just looked nice and it looked easy to use. And like it still is nice and easy to use. It's like been developing so much and it's so great for I think especially for business if you don't know what you're doing design wise even the templates and just like that structure of it all is so easy to use and because I like to tinker with things a lot I wanted to, I knew I would want to change it so I couldn't go to someone and be like here's x amount of dollars to make a website because I would like want to change things all the time I, I can never make up my mind um, so that's like one of the reasons I picked it and so do you do everything through it like you sell the products using their kind of like e-commerce um, yeah I sell the products. I mostly sell... So I do these things called fluff boxes, which is sort of... They send internationally, and that's like... If people want to try it, they can. I also do, like, tubs, and that's sort of more... There's, like, a form online, and they get sent an email, and then we chat privately about that. 
But yeah, pretty much all my ordering in that is done through them. Any tips on how to kind of optimize a website to help drive sales, like things that you've introduced that have worked for you that people can then mm. apply to other businesses? I would say um, definitely use images. Originally, I didn't want to do, I didn't really want to have images. This is like when vectors were like becoming a huge thing. So I was like sticking to illustration and vectors and stuff. But I think definitely for consumers, it's important that they can see what they're ordering and what they're getting. And that also works with like social media. But I think it's definitely important to have that on the website if that's their key source for your consumers to get information about your brand. So how did you transition from the business being a side hustle to being a full-time gig? And was, was there sort of like a moment there where it, you were taking a bit of a leap of faith, I suppose? I really wish there was, but to be honest, there wasn't. Like I was still at um, uni living at home. I didn't, I didn't have expenses, you know, I didn't have to pay rent, thank God. So it was always sort of like, you know, it's not, I was very nonchalant about everything. There was a point at when I was doing this previous job in the stadium. I didn't like it. You know, it was like manual labor, basically. I'm like, this is not for me. <laughs> but I did it anyway to like appease my parents. And I don't know, just sort of over that, over that year, like business started to build up. And then it was like, well, if I'm making money from this, it's okay. Like, I don't mind losing that money. I don't think of it as like, I could have two jobs and make twice as much money. Because it's like, if this one is like something I would rather do and I don't mind doing, you know, why why have that other job weighing me down? But I think definitely like today, if there's like, I don't know if I would be able to take that leap if I was how old I am now and doing what I am now, just because it is, I definitely see the risk in it. But because I was so young and definitely naive, I was just like, sure, why not? So I'm just glad it worked out. <laughs> No, so, so as a solo entrepreneur, how do you stay focused and motivated? That is a good question. Lately, I've not been motivated just because of like the holidays and that's like, like Christmas is always a busy period for me. So I like to give myself a couple of weeks off to just be like, watch Netflix and do nothing. But definitely like, uh, again, with like YouTube and like Google Talks, I think they have some really great people on there that are always like, have really interesting things to say about business and also if I just like meet with someone or talk about business it sort of gets me motivated you know everyone would love to be like this global brand that's like recognized by everyone so it's always just like I don't know if that's like a bit of like an, a self-indulgent thing to want to think it's just sort of that I guess motivates me a bit it's like how 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 big could this get how cool could we be and when I talk to people who've tried the product that always like reaffirms it and it sort of gets me back into the mood of making it, especially if I'm like dead after making it for a whole week, especially over Christmas. Then I see those Insta stories and get emails and it's like, oh, we love this. Oh, my kids love this. I'm like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> and then I get back into the swing of things. So what brands do you look up to? Like what brands motivate you? That's another good question. I always think that I'm a bad consumer, like I never, I used to never see the point in advertising and all that and spending money on influencers. But one brand that I look up to is The Daily Edited, particularly Elise, the lady who owns it, um, because I'm uh, quite good friends with her now. And she was like a fan of Fluff in the beginning. I was, I went to this event that she hosted and I was like, I don't know what's going on or why I'm here. But we got to talking and then we did some jobs and she's sort of become like a, a mini mentor, I guess. And she's fine to talk to me because all my questions are pretty much like low level like dumb 
dumb things that she was like can answer in two seconds um so she's definitely been very helpful and as a brand i just think that's so cool about how big they've grown how quickly and it's also like such a unique product they do like leather monogrammed goods but in terms of brands i don't know i i do like smaller brands just because you, like you can tell how much work goes into them and especially design driven brands i like by Rado recently <laughs> that's what i've been sort of looking into and getting into pretty much anything with good design i really yeah, like nice. <laughs> cool uh so you sell online as well as in markets and do you wholesale at all i don't currently wholesale but i have uh been looking into it and like doing the maths and all that on it i have like a bunch of emails backed up about it from some really cool places so i that's definitely something i'm looking into this year i'm surprised that was like a question because <laughs> that's been on my mind ever since christmas how do these channels of say selling online versus selling in person and markets how do they compare i don't really do markets anymore i would say i haven't done one for maybe a year and a half but definitely starting out that was important to me because you get to sort of explain your product to people especially if they like have no idea what it is i think it's really good if you have a uh, a business that is like something so new like obviously people know what fairy floss is so it's like just a matter of tasting it but if it's something where you have to educate your customer base about i think definitely doing it in person at markets is a great way to do that um and then once you've sort of done that and established yourself a bit having it online like even if they don't purchase something at that market they can come back online and purchase it but it's just sort of that like meeting people i that's what that's like one of the parts i really like about doing markets is that you know you just get to interact with people which you don't get to do on an e-commerce business very much so it's nice and refreshing so there's actually a surprising amount of really successful kind of aussie businesses that have started out at markets like mm. things that have gone on to become like household brands like you know sassenbite and a range of others Definitely, yeah have you got any tips on sort of running a successful market stall or like market presence uh yeah one thing i want to point out is signage I'm not sure why like I think people definitely need to have more signage because when I was doing my markets I would have like a chalkboard and like the flavors and you know you can follow blah blah like fluff on Instagram I would always hear the same questions and I was like I'm not sure why these questions are happening because all that info is on the side so I'm not sure if people just like to talk or if people sort of block parts out mentally so I think maybe having definitely something to remind them especially of your brand maybe of your website so have it mentioned in more than one spot on your signage i think that's definitely a key thing and also having your store set up how you want it to be perceived like i remember my first like my first market before i properly launched it like maybe a year ago when i was like oh sure i can do this like not having any idea i did it on like a trestle table and i was like i really want a cart so i have a cart now thank god <laughs> but back then i really wanted this cart and i wanted uh my dad to help me make it and my parents were like uh oh, you know just try it without the cart maybe it'll be fine and i was like they they don't understand they didn't understand from that like design perspective like the cart is like i would say one of the things that gets me half my jobs today people are like we love the cart i'm like great i love it too but yeah i did this tiny farmers market which is definitely not my demographic everyone was like 60 to 70 on a trestle table and i was like it's cool doing it interacting with people but it's definitely not where i wanted it to be so i think if you have like a particular color in your brand or something that you want to communicate to people uh definitely implement that now so people can see it and then if you don't like it you can change your mind it's still pretty early 
And so Finders Keepers was the market, yes. first market you did that really broke through. Yes, yes, uh, it was. Horrible, horrible start. Like the first night, this is, it was like a Friday night and Saturday and Sunday. Friday night, we lost power to the machine uh, after like 30 minutes of making it. It was not great. And I, I don't know, we were sort of down for like three of those four hours. And people kept coming past and they're like, oh, is it working yet? It was working yet? And like, nah. And I don't know what, what happened or what went wrong, but we got it working in the last hour. People loved it. Um, and then the next day, I'm always tardy to markets. I don't know why. I'm always late to everything. <laughs> But you, I got, were, you were late to this podcast, so that's Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the Saturday of the market, like the first full proper day, I think we were meant to be there at 9, and I got there at like 10, and there was like a line of people waiting. I was like, oh, shit, sorry. But they were just like excited to try it, which I thought was very cool and very um, overwhelming. And yeah, there was like a 40-minute wait all day, both days. I couldn't believe it. I was like, who was waiting 40 minutes for very fast? <laughs> but I think definitely as a consumer, I get it. Like, we used, I think we used to have that sort of mentality where like we would jump on trends and do all that. America, in America, that's huge. Like, people still do it. But I think Australia is definitely more like, or Sydney anyway, it's sort of like, we love new things and we want to try it. But it's like, it's more of a matter of trying it than you know, adopting it, I guess. Stay tuned after the break for more from Founders University. It's crazy the amount of people who come up to me with an idea for a startup, but who don't know where to start. If that sounds like you, then squarespace.com is the answer. Whether it's a business, showcasing your creative work, or even just showing off yourself, on Squarespace, you can buy a domain, set up a website with no technical skills required. And with the offer code PTV, you get 10% off your next purchase. That's PTV at squarespace.com to get 10% off. So you've massed this huge amount of Instagram followers. I think you're up at around 150,000 and the page looks absolutely magnificent. Thank you. What's some of your advice for people on how to kind of use Instagram to grow a business? I would say definitely have it. The only reason I got it originally is because naive me was looking on the internet of marketing and like advertising and like all these like home mum bloggers said, get social media, get Instagram, get Facebook, because, you know, it's a free tool that, you know, it could cost you nothing, but it could do everything for your business. And I was like, why not? You know, if this is what people are doing, then sure, do it. And I was just posting like, not what I'm posting today. I was posting like pictures of business cards and like, oh, I'll be at this market and getting like 20 likes. But I was invited to this sort of like picnic that, um, who's now my good Instagram friends, they hosted. And it was sort of a bunch of Instagrammers that came together and they were like, oh, we'd like some fairy floss for it. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll give you them some some fairy floss, go and drop it off. Um, and I went to drop it off and they were like, oh, where are you going? And they're like, so I basically stayed and spent the whole day with Instagram influencers, which I didn't know was a thing. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could have so many followers. <laughs> And yeah, I don't know, it just sort of clicked and we created things and that's sort of how I got into making like desserts and stuff. So for anyone who hasn't seen, Instagram is fluffgram, just to plug myself. <laughs> but I basically do a lot of desserts and treats that use fluff. So it's like pretty inspirational for people to like, you know, order fluff and try out what they can with it. 
and it definitely gets shared around a lot and I definitely get requests that are like oh we want these donuts at our party I'm like oh I'm sorry I don't make donuts <laughs> but that is something I would like to look into in the future especially offering like waffles and ice cream and all that but yeah I would say don't overlook social media I know it gets a really bad rap now just because of all the new algorithms and all that but it, it is it is a pretty key tool to any business I think so do these secret Sydney influencer picnics still happen? <laughs> I don't think so. Like, the first one, I think there was maybe, like, 25 people. I had never heard of any of these people. And everyone was still pretty, pretty like, young then, especially in followers. No one was really over 30,000, I would say. Even then, that was a lot. I had, like, 200. <laughs> but, yeah, we did that. We did. I think we did three more after that. It was called The Sweetest Picnic. And then, I don't know, everyone just sort of grew and then we would just sort of meet up and make things instead of do this giant picnic with this crazy spread. But yeah, it was definitely definitely pretty fun and that's how I got to meet a bunch of people and learn about Instagram. Yeah, cool. So do you batch shoot your imagery, like for Instagram, or is it just shot throughout the kind of daily running of the business? Or do you sort of go... Oh, like, like, do I have like a day where I shoot everything? Yeah, or like create all those creations and... Um, I don't designate a day. Like a lot of my day, it's either... Like, I plan when I'm making fairy floss and when I'm doing emails, but it's never planning to make content. Sometimes I'll just be like, I'll wake up early enough and be like, the lighting is pretty good today. It's not too hot. I could deal with making some waffles. <laughs> and it's always like, now it's a bit of a struggle to create content because I always think, oh, what can I do that's different? Like, back then I would, we did, um, uh, myself and my friend, uh, Lee Chupan on Instagram, we did these, this is when milkshakes were a big thing, like freak shakes. We just, like, met up one day for the first time, and we were like, let's shoot something with fairy floss. Um, and we did that, and that went, I don't want to say viral, because I hate, like, everybody hates that word. <laughs> uh, but it did. It got shared everywhere. It was, like, all over Pinterest. It was in Snapchat. Um, it was in articles. And that's sort of where, you know, the idea of, like, creating things with friends came from. Because it was just like we were hanging out, but, like, also making these really cool things, and then just sharing them but no I don't really have a designated day for creating things it's always like mostly in the morning when there's good lighting I mean for people <clears> that aren't sort of photographically savvy do you have like a mini studio set up or what's <laughs> the equipment you're using is it just your phone no I don't have a I don't have a studio I used, I used to shoot on my camera and then I went to my phone for a while and now I'm back to my camera just because the quality is definitely better especially for editing with my product editing is definitely a big part of it just to like bring out colors and stuff like that i'm also uh quite skilled in photoshop which is definitely handy from uni for like sort of making whites white and colors the color they're supposed to be because you know when you take photos sometimes your red can look orange and it just sort of messes with the whole vibe of the photo but i have like this piece of white like mdf board was like eight dollars for a huge piece and that's sort of like a background that i just shoot on like you can get it wet get it messy just wipes right off but it's like a nice start to like just have white background and you can shoot whatever you want on it and i always do it in front of windows like downstairs i have two windows like on a like in a in a room on two walls and that just i don't know it has it has to be like in the morning you can never really do it at night because you know the ceiling light is horrible <laughs> But yeah, definitely use um, natural light, I would say. That helps with the colours. You also use Snapchat as a channel. I think this is one of those channels that people can often find quite challenging, like for businesses to sort of like 
it you is. know what to sort of put up there and say? Like, do you have a kind of like <laughs> strategy or any ideas? This that is you do? this is like a touchy subject. Well, not not very touchy, but I'm sort of in the mindset that Snapchat is dying, especially with the introduction of Insta Stories now. I know I see it with like I have like two younger sisters, and they're definitely on Snapchat. And I'm like, why, why? I don't know why you're on Snapchat. Like, it's it's been replaced, <laughs> especially with Instagram now that you can tag people. Sorry to keep coming back to Instagram. It's just it's pretty great, people. But yeah, Snapchat is sort of where I became more. That was like more me and less of the brand. So like, that's sort of I would say like diehard followers. Like that's where those people would come to because that would be I would do like when I went to America for the first time, like the reason I went to America was basically for Walmart because I'm obsessed with packaging. And I just like bought a bunch of shit and taste tested it on Snapchat. And everyone was like, you should do more of these. We love seeing you react to food. And I'm like, okay, that's a pretty weird thing to want. Um, and so I did that on it. And if there was something I had to say, I would say it on there, you know, just like share my opinion on stuff. And that became, I would say, more personal. I, f- I feel bad for anyone who followed it from Instagram, thinking they were going to see desserts and stuff on there, because there's really hardly any of that on it. But I think Snapchat, because it's like harder to gain following on there, it's definitely something you can use a bit differently to Instagram, because it goes away in 24 hours. And yeah, so I would say you can you know, get a few more of your messages across on there, because those people will be a bit more receptive than Instagram. It's not just like and scroll past it can you talk us through what's coming up for fluff in the future i wish i could to be honest i have no idea (laughs) it all sort of happens um as it goes i'm currently working on some stuff for valentine's day i want to do like custom like cute little heart notes that can get added into boxes for free with like handwritten messages also these lucky dips that i've brought out i want to work more on like making prizes for those i would love to do like some scratch and sniff stickers for the flavors i think that would be cool temporary tattoos things like that i just want to make sort of more increase my brand awareness this year i think because i know like i have a following online but definitely there are people in real life like that sounds so so dumb to say irl but yeah i would definitely want to reach more people in sydney i think this year for fluff I read in an article that you sort of teased a vodka or alcohol-based fairy floss, um, you know, product. Have you done any kind of product testing on this? Is this something that might be on the horizon? Um, I think it would be very cool to do. I've been approached by a couple of alcohol companies to sort of make an alcohol. I don't know if anyone listening has seen those videos of fairy floss melting into cocktails. I did, like, one that went, again, like, viral. Um, which was pretty cool, so I got a lot of requests to do something like that. But I think it would be really cool to do an alcohol sort of flavoured fairy floss. I think, like, rosé would be a huge hit, or champagne. It's just sort of working it out. I've experimented with wine. It ends up tasting like fermented apples. It does not doesn't taste great. <laughs> but it's definitely something I'd like to look into. I just think about, like, the alcohol laws and all that that would be associated with it. I don't know if they would apply. So it's just... A whole bunch of things to think about but i definitely think about it it's still just yourself running fluff like yeah. have you started to look into kind of potentially hiring people and what's the sort of thought process behind that i have i really want to get someone into or a couple of people into start making the bags of fairy floss just so i can promote it more like right now i'm only limited to what i can sell with how much time i have myself to make it again like the only issue is i don't really know how you find someone how you employ someone so that's something I need to look into as well. 
I think my accountant said she can like help set someone up and on like a payroll, which is great. But yeah, it's just it's just a whole bunch of things that I have to look into to grow, and it's like necessary to outsource. You might not want to outsource because again, like you want it to be your brand and you want to coddle it. But I think to grow, it's definitely uh, impractical to think that you can grow a company to like a million dollars a year by yourself because you just can't really. There's not enough hours in the day. Can you give us an idea of the scale of the business now, like? kind of through like orders sales revenue like where have you kind of taken it and gotten it to i would say christmas is my busiest time i do like 500 boxes over christmas and that goes like around internationally but during like the year i get to work with a lot of brands and do sort of like i have uh, tubs that you can brand or like making it fresh and like having custom flavors um so that's sort of where all my my bread and butter comes from i guess i think last year i did like 25,000 tubs which was like now saying it is a bit that's a lot <laughs> and you made that all yourself yeah it's it's sort of weird because you sort of or I sort of like live sort of I feel like I'm on the outside looking like watching someone do it like I don't feel like it's me I just feel like oh it's a brand it's, it's like separate it's its own thing that's doing it and I'm like oh that's cool I don't want to like get into numbers particularly but this sort of financial half I've made what I did last financial year so I'm expected to like basically double my sales from last year which is cool and I'm probably going to spend that all again <laughs> get get more stickers get some people make some more cool stuff just because it's for fun right now it's like I'm like it, I, it makes me so happy that I get to do it as a job so I would love to spend more money on it and like grow it and make it more fun for people to see and use and try so I'd love to do events and things like that that I host myself and to get like maybe my really loyal followers to come to. And it's just like one great party where it's just eating sugar nonstop and dancing. And yeah, that's what I want to spend more of my time and money on. So have there been any kind of strategies or things that you've introduced or done that have really kind of like changed the business, like fluff for the better? Originally, I never intended to sell like bags online or tubs. Um, the only reason I did it was because after I did my first, the finders keepers market, I think we were coming into winter and it was like with winter, it gets pretty like humid. I know it does in summer as well, but the moisture is like the biggest enemy of fairy floss. That's why you can't leave it out on a cake for too long. Otherwise it melts. And so I knew I wouldn't be able to do a lot of markets, especially with the rain because they're all outdoors. So I was like, how can I do this? Like if I'm not going to have all my time taken up being outdoors doing things how can I still make fairy floss and I was like why don't I try sending it online and it just I don't know I didn't think twice about it it made sense to me to send it in the mail and then I would get like email requests for articles be like why did you why did you think to send it in the mail I was like I don't know doesn't it make sense still to this day I don't know I don't feel that I've like got it down packed and got it all sorted even though I probably have is there any advice for people out there who are working on a side hustle or are kind of like solo entrepreneurs kind of you know to sort of achieve the success that you have sure I would say don't put it off because of the time it will take to do it like that that time will pass anyway that's why like I'm glad that I started early and I thought about it like I'm currently planning like my end goal business of my life basically which is like meant to be this really cool lolly shop which I've been planning for two years now just coming up with products even if they're like so unrealistic um I think there'll be something there 
Also, like, one quote that I've always uh, thought of is by David Allen. It's, you can do anything, but not everything. So definitely, if it's something you're passionate about, I know, like, office jobs can get you down. I don't, like, I've never worked in an office, but recently I've actually been thinking about, like, maybe it would be nice to do an office job. Like, when you have a business, it is a, it is pretty stressful. I tend not to think about it because that's almost like gloating, I guess, and I have friends who already do that, so I don't need to contribute to that mess, like complaining about how busy you get, but it's definitely worth it. Like when I have a free weekday and I can just go and get lunch and I get to watch movies at 12 p.m. during the day and it's dead and I get wholesome numbers to myself for like $10, it's really good. (laughs) Things like that. There's little perks to it. And it's also doing something that you love. So I would say just be a bit more risky, like you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Nice. So do you, do you kind of see yourself as like an Australian Willy Wonka? <laughs> With that lolly shop <laughs> idea, I was just going like, this is this sounds amazing. Um, the lolly shop, maybe. I don't know. I feel like Willy Wonka has been like definitely like overused a lot now. I don't want to go too much into it because I just worry that something will happen or someone else will like come along. But it's definitely, I, d- I guess you could like, um, I liken it to Willy Wonka, like that sort of out of the box thinking, like the chocolate waterfall, the lickable wallpaper. It would definitely, it would definitely have like elements like that from it. I think for sure. I've got like maybe two hundred products that I've like done the packaging, just like sketches and stuff. Like I have a couple notebooks filled up, but it's still just sort of a way. Like if it does happen, I already have like all these ideas for it. So and it's like I do that in my free time. It's not like doesn't doesn't take up time it's not work it's fun so yeah awesome so if people want to uh find you nathan or fluff or buy a bag of beautiful fairy floss <laughs> where can they where um, can they visit you yeah sure all of the info is on my squarespace website <laughs> at fluff.com f-l-u-f-f-e or i would say check out my instagram which is fluffgram for like recipe ideas and inspo and just eye candy i call it everyone calls it <laughs> cool so let's let's give this fairy floss a go what have, what have we got sure. we've got boys tears so so this is so there's blue. boys tears and unicorn poop which is the two most popular flavors unicorn poop came out first it was like i'll try the original first so is musk is is musk the traditional is that part of the flavoring for the pink fairy floss or is pink just no 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 pink is not flavoured okay. like normal fairy floss doesn't have flavours yeah. it's just pink or blue um but yeah this is musk because I thought unicorn would be like musk is not something you see a lot and unicorn is like non-existent but musk is used like it's like an old school perfume yeah right? like it's definitely like old like, school smell like someone's grandmother maybe <laughs> Well, I don't. Depends if you like it. Like, I love musk flavored things. I think of those like, um, like candy cigarettes almost, like those candy sticks. Oh, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't think of like the pink musk sticks. They were like politically incorrectly named. Yeah. <laughs> and then they changed it to fads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is great. This is so good. Thank you. Um. So yeah, unicorn poop was like the first. I, I wouldn't say that I'm a musk fan, but this is actually really delicious. Mm, thank you. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people say it's like not as sweet as normal fairy floss. Like I've had. Mm people at markets come up and they're like they're like oh no i don't like fairy floss it's too sweet and then they come back after like their third helping and i'm like oh okay they didn't like it (laughs) um so it is definitely like a different i definitely add things in there to sort of make it a bit unique it's like a lot softer than normal fairy floss and it's not 
like crunchy or sticky. And um, it's also vegan and gluten free. Oh yeah. But contains soy. Oh yeah, some of the some of the sprinkles do. But like the floss uh, itself is all vegan, gluten free, all that. So boys tears. Yeah. That's one of so that's blue. I'm trying that yeah. now. So boys tears is like I think that came out like in mid last year. It was like Oh, wow. Just an idea of a sweet and salty one, especially because, like, most of my customers are female, like, 90%. <laughs> so I was like, why not? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's caught on. I think, again, for the name and the flavour, I didn't want to do salted caramel because I don't like salted caramel. I like normal caramel. So I have a normal caramel flavour called Gypsy Dreams. But this is sort of my homage to uh, salted caramel, I guess. I like that. That's really... I don't think I've ever had salt on Prairie Force before. <laughs> Thank you. Do you look at, like, Messina? as a bit of, like... Uh, uh, no, I don't want to get into Messina, to be honest. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, everyone, I'm not a huge fan of Messina. Um, I, find them re- I find Messina ice cream really sweet, like, too sweet. That's my verdict on it, but I don't know, I mean, yeah. Oh, I don't, I'm not, like, a connoisseur of it. It's mostly, yeah. like... Oh, it's really not a great way of thinking, but basically if my friends are, like, diehard into something, I'm, like, immediately turned off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and my friends think that Messina is, like, this cult, tiny, handmade thing, even though they have, like, lots of shops. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, it's not it's not what you think it is. It used to be, though. Oh, yeah, it used to be, yeah. I feel like Instagram was really good to them or something. Yeah. Because, like, they, they've been around since... Oh, I don't... I'm not, like, hating on the brand. It's mostly yeah, that yeah. my friends are, like, super fans of it, so it turns me off it. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thanks again, Nathan. These are great. I'll let everyone in the office try some. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's it for another episode of Founders University. This episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Hop onto squarespace.com now, buy a domain, and set up a website with one of their beautifully designed templates. Don't forget to use the offer code PTV to get 10% off. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate us five stars, and forward a link to a friend. Stay tuned for another episode of Founders University coming to your headphones and speakers in a fortnight.